0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Pants Radio. I'll do my best. Hey, what's Pac-Man everybody? Welcome to the Cynical Cartoons podcast, where today I watch Sonic X with Olive Ray Brinker, the creator of the webcomic Ray the Doe. Olive uses she her pronouns. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at StopTweetingMia. Thanks for listening to Cynical Cartoons for another week. And as always, I'm your host, Mia Marchant. My pronouns are she her, and I'm here if you need to talk. So you created the webcomic Ray the Doe. Um, what are some of your comic influences, though? Like, what did you read growing up? What kind of animation stuff did you watch?
2: Probably my biggest comic influence is Gun Show by Casey Green. And I guess it's all of Casey Green's comics. Is that like a webcomic
1: or is that, that like a, a published?
2: That, that's a webcomic. That's what the This is Fine Dog comes from. Oh, okay. Uh,
1: <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's, of course, the one thing that I would recognize from it. <laughs>
2: Which is funny because I remember I read that comic that week and I was like, oh, that was an okay one. Like when it when it updated, I was just like, huh, good. I just remember reading that one and being like, huh, good comic. Can't wait (laughs) for the one on Wednesday. Right, exactly. And then like four years later, it became a giant thing. (laughs) That was a big influence for me. I really loved, I mean, Spongebob, obviously, basically all the cartoons around that time period, Ed and Eddie, Billy and Mandy was I love that one. That was probably my favorite as a kid.
1: Yeah, early 2000s animation stuff was, like, so weird because they were just, like, constantly trying to, like, push, I think. I think they were trying to push boundaries a lot of the time. And they would bring in so many weird creators. Like, they would bring on, like, Joan and Vasquez to do Invader Zim. And, like, the guy that created Jimmy Neutron had just done, like, all of this weird, like, existential animation stuff before he made Jimmy Neutron.
2: I didn't know that. That's cool.
1: Yeah, like, if you look up his stuff from before Jimmy Neutron, it's really weird and really adult And you're like, oh, okay, I get what they were going for at the time. But then I feel like now everything is very like, I don't know. I feel like that was like the start of pulling in people from an Internet age. Like that guy, I don't know his name, but like he had made like some weird viral videos that everybody was like, oh, okay, this could be a show or not this, but something from this same person. When did you start doing Ray the Doe like as a consistent thing? And was this like the first sort of web comic project that you did or was it? part of like a bigger thing in the beginning.
2: I'll answer this, but I just wanted to say probably my two biggest influences that I forgot to mention oh, sure. that I just realized was uh, Captain Underpants, the comics in there, mm-hmm. and then um, Homestar Runner. Those two, like Captain Underpants when I was like six and then Homestar Runner when I was like 11. Right, right. I was just like, I was like, this is what I want to do for my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird to see the things
1: that, like, really were a part... Because I feel like we're, we're about the same age. I'm 25. And so, like, to see things that were really a part of our childhoods come to prominence now. Like, for some reason, they made a Captain Underpants movie in, you know, 2017, and now it has its own TV show and all this stuff, and then, like, a series of unfortunate events, and it's like, where was all this stuff 15 years ago?
2: Yeah, I don't know why they took so long to make a movie out of it. I feel like that might have been in... Like, I don't know, but it seems like something that would have been in development for a really long time, but like they couldn't get a studio to finance it or something.
1: They were just waiting for the perfect Captain Underpants to come along, and obviously it was Ed Helms. Nobody else could do that
2: (laughs) role, of course. I feel like the books were super popular when they came out. I feel like you could have made that in 2002. But I guess I'm glad they they waited because the animation in that is so good. It like captures the books look so perfectly so I'm glad they waited because I imagine if that came out in like 2003 or something it would have looked very (laughs) unappealing
1: right it would have been made by like the Weinstein company or something like that too it probably wouldn't have been DreamWorks at the time so Ray the Doe
2: so I started it in uh the first week of I guess the the beginning of the second week of 2018 because when I started 2018 I was like I should have a New Year's resolution. I want to make more comics. Because the year before, I started releasing a couple of, like, four-panel... A couple of them were multi-page, just, like, funny comics. And they were always with, like, blob people that were supposed to represent me. Oh, sure. Or other people. Because I'm like, I need to draw this quickly. And the art isn't the point. It's, like... It's the the gags, really. Yeah, right. It's going back to minions. Now, (laughs) Um, uh, I was trying to simplify the art as much as possible to make it as quickly as possible. So one day I thought of a really good joke, which was Ray the Doe number one, which is, I'm such a Virgo. Aren't you born in March? And then Ray goes, no, Virgo is slang for virgin, celibate, and proud. I had just that dialogue in my head, it popped in my head while at work. And I started laughing to myself at work like a weirdo. And then I was like, Okay, I need to make a comic. And then I tried to start thinking of I'm like, I should make there be a character who represents me, who can appear in every one of these comics. I'll do it three times a week. I'll do this as just to kind of just to get my ideas out of my head as just like a little side hobby. And like a warm up exercise because I was wearing on a thesis film at the time because I was a senior in college. That's just how it started is I just started making it three times a week as like, all right, let's make a comic before I start animating this this uh, thesis film or whatever for the day. So that's really just how it started. And at first, Ray didn't have a name. She didn't have any personality. There wasn't supposed to be any recurring characters. And then like after a month of it. Well, after a week, people are like, what's her name? And I'm like, I guess I have to think of a name. And then, uh, yeah, the rest went on from there. Yeah, I mean, did did you want at the time to have something
1: that would be sort of long running, like Ray has been?
2: Uh, I didn't think it would be like this at all. I thought it would just be kind of like a, a fun little project to work on. I never really thought it would attract any sort of attention or fans I, I I just was gonna do it for as long as I was having fun with it
1: right exactly like I'll do this as long as people seem to be enjoying it and then more and more people seem to be enjoying it and you're like oh okay I guess I'll just do this forever I don't know
2: yeah well you you, you asked before if I've done uh other web comics before right that's actually what I decided to make Ray the Dough number 200 about uh last January because a lot of people assumed it was my first I've seen posts online that are like I can't believe olive just like knocked it out of the park on her first try like made such a successful web comic on her first try and I'm like this is like my ninth try like <laughs> yeah. I've I've tried to start so many web comics but I just couldn't get past like even posting it or I post one page and then I can't I don't have the time to post the rest or I just start procrastinating it or but yeah no i've i've tried to make web comics a lot ray the doe was the first one that uh people enjoyed enough to follow so i was like all right i'll keep doing this and i never really thought it would blow up in the way that it did it was really cool
1: yeah it's it's really interesting to see people conflate you and the comic character a lot I don't know if that's that common oh, anymore, yeah. but it, it used to be that like people didn't know who you were and they would just call you Ray or they would just assume like, oh, Ray made the comic, you know, and then your middle name being Ray, like made it kind of a yeah. confusing thing for people, I think. <laughs> but that's that's interesting. I've I've never seen somebody have to like make that claim so many times of being like, I'm not the character that I make. Like, <laughs> it's not like the the guy that created Adventure Time had to be like over and over again, like, stop calling me Finn. I'm not Finn. <laughs>
2: The, the analogy I always make is uh, no one calls Jim Davis Garfield. No one's like, hey, you're Garfield, right?
1: <laughs> they should, though. That'd be really funny. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I also think a problem is that I just post them on my Twitter feed and I'll say, oh, I accidentally bought myself a kid's meal. And then I'll make a comic about that exact same thing the next day and people will be like, oh, OK, it's a weird thing to <laughs> have happen to you her personality became me just cuz in the beginning i was just making comics that are based on my own experiences she was never meant to have a consistent personality
1: right they're basically relatable tweets that just become like web comics basically in visual format
2: yeah that's what i that, that's what i was going for in the beginning but there were so many comics where she was anxious or nervous or excitable cuz that's just my personality that people started uh, ascribing a personality to her, so I was like, All right. "All right, Ray just has her own personality now." So then I just started like going, going wild with it, and then eventually I was like, "Yep, she's just her own character." And I mean, at this point, like, she has a girlfriend. I don't. Mimi isn't based on anyone. Uh, none of the other characters are. So it's kind of like she's kind of. She's only based on me now in the sense that she's a, a cartoonist living in New Jersey with anxiety, I guess.
1: Awesome. Well, yeah, people can check out Ray the Doe on uh, Twitter at Oliver rinker Ray the Doe. She has her own account, right?
2: Yeah, she has her own account. Also, RaytheDoe.com, Very good website. Uh, I don't promote it enough, but I made a whole website. And you can see all the comics there in one place. And it's very nice. And it took me... Seven days to get all the comics organized (laughs) and uncompressed. So please click on them and go, ooh, look at those PNGs. Thank you.
1: That's great. We are here today to talk about Sonic the Hedgehog.
2: I am so excited.
1: Yeah, you are a noted fan of Sonic the Hedgehog, and I am uh, not. I don't know anything about Sonic really, aside from what I've just learned in the last four hours. So this will be interesting to talk about, I think.
2: That is so funny because um, I picked the – you asked me which episode we should watch, and I just said – I looked up, like, which episode is about the Chaotix Detective Agency because they are my favorite characters in Sonic. Right. Because they're just goofballs. And you messaged me today and said, oh, there this this episode appears to be a part of a three-episode arc. Should we watch all three episodes? I am very glad we decided to do that because I don't remember – the other two episodes at all. And they are so weird. And like they, (laughs) you did not learn anything new about Sonic today. (laughs) (laughs) There's no sunshine balls in any of the games.
1: Yeah. There's not a whole lot of Sonic in these episodes. And I think that's okay. I'm glad that we watched three because I feel like the defective detectives episode was fun, but I didn't really get much out of it. And then it just goes off the rails (laughs) insanely. It's very good. This is Sonic X we watched today.
2: We watched Sonic X. We watched the Egg Moon Saga, Defective Detective, Sunblock Solution, and Eggman for President, I think were the names of the episodes. I remember them because they're very funny names. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the first episode was really weird because, like, nothing happened in it at all. <laughs>
1: like, Well, like, I mean, not not only did nothing happen, but characters would just, like, appear and disappear just sort of arbitrarily and i guess that they were characters who i would know who they were if i had watched any sonic the hedgehog material before this but i was like okay that's rouge the bat i know that from googling what the bat character is but then she just never shows up again (laughs) and in the next episode she's like in the oval office with the president i'm like i guess she's in the the president's cabinet i don't know
2: she's a she is a spy for for a spy for the for the government
1: okay sure (laughs) <laughs> it all makes sense now,
2: uh, of course can i just call out how abrupt in the first episode the cold open is the president and his cabinet talking about how they need to like put sonic's creatures in like prison or something he's like we need to keep them away from us we just need to need to keep them away from the from the humans we need to put them in prison or something and then it just Fades to black on the on Chris, the human child who's friends with Sonic, like looking sad, and then it fades to the the opening theme song. It just goes, "Gotta go fast, yeah. Sonic!" Like it's such an abrupt change in tone, and then when the theme song ends, it's like a close up of Rouge, and it's just playing like a, a like a saxophone. It's like, Doo, do, 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 do. right, like, exactly. Like oh, all Rouge's, and I'm just like, what just happened? I have whiplash, like.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I guess that, I don't know, are humans a big part of the Sonic legacy? Like, in the games, are you running around and you run into a lot of humans? Because the only one that I really knew about was Dr. Eggman.
2: That's actually a very complicated answer because okay. the, recently Sega has announced that there is two different universes known as the, the human world and the Sonic world. In one world, Sonic does interact with humans, and in the other one, he doesn't. And depending on the game, it takes place in either world, but both world, the history of the games are canon. It makes no sense. I made my own timeline to explain it, but it makes literally no sense. So, like, the games on the Sega Genesis, there's no humans besides Dr. Eggman. And then when it came to Dreamcast, it was Sonic Adventure, and Sonic Adventure just takes place on Earth. And Sonic's friends are just, like, there, and they don't bother to explain it in any way. In this show, they decide to explain it, and I don't know why. They're like, oh, uh, Sonic's friends keep getting teleported to Earth one by one, like, uh, like one episode at a time. Which I actually really liked as a kid. I didn't like that there were two separate worlds. I still don't. I just like that Earth, Sonic just lives on Earth, and people are just cool with him. I did like that new characters would just appear slowly and slowly over time, and just be like, "What's up? This is my episode. Right? Let's see how everyone reacts to me being here."
1: And this was the one that that established SBO, Victor the Crocodile, and the Vector
2: the Bumblebee,
1: who I'm not aware of her name.
2: Uh, that's Charmy, and he is a boy.
1: Oh wow. Um. Well, I'm sorry, Charmy, for misgendering
2: <laughs> But Sonic Adventure took place in a world with all humans and then so did sonic adventure 2 so sonic x came out i think it came out when did this come out i actually want to i actually want to look this up because the first season is not based on any games okay it came out before oh no uh sorry there was a halloween costume for the movie oh god and it was very very scary looking The series started before Sonic Heroes was out. So Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 were already released. So basically, those games don't tell a story one-to-one. They're kind of just two separate stories. But the anime, Sonic X, Season 1 is just an anime about Sonic with some human characters that don't exist in the games that they just made for this show, fighting Eggman and just a fish-out-of-water story, basically. For season two, they decided to adapt all the games. So they're like, all right, now we're just going to do Sonic Adventure 1 for five episodes, which is not enough episodes because Sonic Adventure is a long game about ancient tribal war and a god of destruction that is awoken and... Like, all this stuff, and, like, a robot that goes through an existential crisis when it realizes it's actually an animal trapped inside a robot, like...
1: I mean, I guess that I I just never realized that the Sonic lore was so plot-heavy, because, like, I had played, before I have, like, Sonic All-Star Racers, whichever one it is that has, like, Danica Patrick and Wreck-It Ralph, and I'm like, oh, okay, so this is a, a Sonic game, this is a standard Sonic game, that's not true, I'm sure...
2: So Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 was followed up by a game called Sonic Heroes, which was basically discarded those stories altogether. Mm -hmm. It like really barely had a story. It was just Metal Sonic's the bad guy, the end. There was a plot twist after you beat all the stories. It was pretty straightforward, not story heavy. So this game, this this anime basically presupposes that after the epic stories of Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 of saving the earth and fighting ancient gods... Sonic just has to deal with Eggman having a sunshine ball company. Right. It's like, what if the follow up to two of the like the most beloved Sonic games of besides the originals was just sunshine balls? Like, that's what's so wild about the, uh, this whole arc is that it's like built as the lead up <laughs> or like the, the follow up to the death of Shadow the Hedgehog. Shadow dies and everyone immediately forgets and they're just like, Sunshine Balls, what are those?
1: That was that was when? Like immediately two episodes before this or that happened like in the games pretty pretty recently when this came out?
2: That happened the episode before the Chaotix one.
1: Oh, geez. So like, like two episodes ago, Shadow died.
2: Two episodes ago, Shadow died and then all the characters are like, moving on.
1: Yeah, like, well... <laughs> Well, of course, they have to, you know, stop all the sunshine balls.
2: But also, I do want to say the you were saying characters just like appear and disappear. Uh, The entire plot of this episode is Cream the Rabbit was teleported to Earth in episode two. And we find out in this episode that her mom was teleported to Earth way after. And she went to the chaotics and said, hey, can you help me find my daughter Cream? Okay. So the Chaotix believe that Sonic is has kidnapped Cream. Right. Also, what I just said is not clear in the episode at all. No,
1: no. It made no goddamn <laughs> sense. That was the thing. It, it felt like as an episode, just the Defective Detectives one, like nothing really happened that was interesting. And also, I didn't know who anybody <laughs> was or what they wanted at any point in time.
2: Uh, this is also the first episode that Cream's mom showed up in. So it's not like if you watch this episode watching the rest of Sonic X, you'd still be confused. You'd be like, who is this character that just appeared out of nowhere?
1: Yeah, You would have right. to play
2: the games to know who she is, yeah. But basically, the entire like conflict of this episode is that Vector thinks the Sonic's friends kidnapped Cream. Right. So they're trying to rescue her, and then they get into a fight with Sonic's friends. But then the plot is resolved when Cream's mom just, like, shows up behind Sonic and Eggman who are having like a, a picnic in like the grand Canyon. Mm -hmm. Like how did she get there? She just appears behind them for no reason. (laughs) They're like, all right, let's go home.
1: Well, I guess that I would say my main problem with that episode on its own is that Sonic seems to be unaware of any of the conflicts going on at any point in time. We see Rouge, the bat and knuckles hanging out. We see the defective detectives, which you said is team Chaotix. Yes. And we see Dr. Eggman doing stuff and then we see Sonic running around, but he seems unaware that anybody else is having any kind of conflict or adventures.
2: Uh that happens a lot in this show. They really try to play up uh Sonic's like lone wolf, too cool to hang out with other people nature.
1: Oh, sure.
2: They really like think it's cool that Sonic is like always sitting on top of a Like, you see it in the second episode, he's just sitting on the top of a boat, and you can tell the people writing the episode, were like, isn't it cool he's sitting on top of the boat, away from everyone?
1: Yeah, which is a really funny conflict, like, the dichotomy of him doing that while also having, like, this chosen family element, where he's like, these are all my best friends, and we're all cool, and we hang out together in this Mega Man, and it's like, well, okay, you don't really seem to spend that much time with them, or, like, being around them, but all right.
2: Oh, yeah, no, no, he would never say that. He's kind of, from the beginning, he's kind of like the elusive, cool guy who is seems cold on the surface, but will always, like, protect you.
1: It's also important to recognize that I would say about 45% of this first episode that we watched was
2: flashbacks to past episodes. I thought that was good because I was just like, oh, good, it's a flashback episode. That'll catch us up. That's... I was like, this is unintentionally good.
1: <laughs> but I, I feel like it was less of like, let's catch everybody up with flashbacks and more of like, we don't want to animate an entire episode. So here is an episode where we're going to kind of make it like just fl-. because the flashbacks didn't really give you more information. It was just flashbacks to action sequences, really.
2: Oh, yeah. No, it no, I I I meant like you've never seen an episode before. I'm like, cool. It's like you're seeing several at once. The reason why the flashbacks are the episode is because they have a very small animation budget on this show, as is very apparent. Oh, absolutely. There's also just a lot of still images in the episode. Oh, <laughs> and God.
1: And a lot of shots where they're like repeating just the same motion over and over again. And they talk for like 45 seconds doing one two second animation cycle. basically. <laughs>
2: yeah. And then it cuts to someone else that it cuts back to that same animation for another 45 seconds. Right. It's exactly. great. I love it.
1: Yeah, I mean, this This felt like a lot of killing time. But, I mean, you know, you have to allocate all of that budget towards the uh, blocking out the sun arc, you know, because that was obviously very expensive to make.
2: The blocking out the sun arc, it's so good. I want to jump into those two episodes. I wasn't expecting them to be that good. Final thing that I wrote down for the first episode is... The president is so casual when they announce that Eggman has launched a missile at the moon. Yeah. They're just like, Mr. President, he's launched a missile at the moon. And he's just like, really? <laughs> and then they're like, Mr. President. And he's like, what? The first news, he's so casual about. Then the second piece of just someone being like, hey, um, Reggie.
1: And, and his entire thing in this whole arc is that Dr. Eggman is like lying about still being evil. And, like, pretending to have turned coat and become a good guy. But it's, like, everything that he's doing is so obviously evil. And out of everybody in the world, billions and millions of people, Sonic is the only one that sees it. Yeah. Like, he launches a rocket ship at the moon, which has been cratered in half like makes the moon whole again which you're like if you can do this why are you devoting so much effort to being evil because you can like create your own planet basically in an hour he does that in five minutes he creates half a moon it's like what what are, what are you doing fighting sonic the hedgehog right now
2: <laughs> well that's the thing is he's a genius who has so much power but he's just so egotistical that it's always the downfall of him, because he can make his own planet and go live on his own planet, but he just wants to control other people.
1: Right. He's just a hubristic narcissist and he can't really relate to anybody on any kind of level. And that's why he hangs out with robots all the time.
2: Yeah. He, he builds his own workers to so he can shout at them. <laughs> I love that there's just been this like throughout the years, there's been two different uh, Eggman's robots that just like are his lackeys. Like it's so good. Because there's been these two in this show. There's been Scratch and Grounder in the Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. And now it's Orbot and Cubot. And it's just, I love this. I love when there's two little robots that help Eggman. And then he like bonks him on the head. And he's like, I hate you. It's just good. I mean, they're kind of like Shredder's hench people. Who are they? Bebop and Rocksteady,
1: basically. But in, in robot form. Oh, yeah. They're just two little goofuses. That like you kind of wonder why they're even working for Eggman, because they seem really excited and stoked about being able to like turn coat and be good and save the world.
2: Oh, I was gonna say they're like Bebop and Rocksteady mixed with uh C3PO. I think only the the original two robots, uh Scratch and Grounder, were ones that like wanted to be evil. I feel like all the other like these two definitely just are just kind of like, uh. Eggman uh crappy boss, am I right? And then
1: and they kind of have to, I I guess because they're robots, like they don't really have a choice. But why program them with that level of sentience to be able to say like I don't want to be evil? Like if you're going to create robots, make robot killing machines when he can create half a moon, why does he make these incompetent little shitheads?
2: Because it's not fun to yell at a killing machine. It's fun to yell at an incompetent shithead.
1: No, I guess that's true. He doesn't want to be ousted by his own <laughs> creations, but like, you know, failsafe mechanism. I don't know. They're your robots.
2: I think it's just fun to yell at them. Right. I think they're mostly just there for for company more than anything. They're not useful.
1: Well, they they tell us that they're not useful. But in the episode where Dr. Eggman blocks out the sun, he basically creates little personal suns for everybody in the world, sun balls or whatever for everybody to own. (laughs) And then he makes those two robots go around and install them everywhere in America and maybe the entire world. (laughs) It's like everybody does have these. And we did see that the only people installing them are his two robots. So, like, they seem sort of competent. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They're like Santa Claus. The, we need to get into the sunshine balls plot it's so ridiculous <laughs> yeah. it's so funny I was losing my mind watching it
1: <laughs> basically dr Eggman blots out the sun everybody knows he's doing this everybody knows he's the one that did it and then he's like oh that was an accident but uh I'll fix it
2: we should say he he blew up half the moon in the previous arc in the sonic adventure 2
1: okay I did not story know arc. That. I was like, maybe he did that, but somebody blew up half the moon.
2: Yeah, he blew up half the moon. So that's why at the end of, in the beginning of this arc, he's like, hey, sorry I was evil last arc. I'm good now. I'm going right. to prove that I'm good by repairing the moon. So he repaired the moon with like like this, he shoots a missile at it, which builds like a giant, it fills in the other half of the moon with like this this technology, like this robotics. Right. So he's he used that robotic stuff. To basically cause the moon to eclipse the sun on New Year's Eve so that people, I guess, in this world, people celebrate New Year's Eve on sunrise and not at midnight, I guess.
1: I I don't think that that's something that everybody does in this world. I think that's just something Sonic and his friends do because they're all a bunch of cops. Like Sonic and his friends all just seem like such a bunch of fucking dorks when they're like, "Hey, let's celebrate New Year's at 4 a.m." Yeah, and you're like, "What's wrong with
2: you?" I think it's more that Chris. Which let's talk about Chris for a second. Oh, she's sure. terrible. Yeah, he's he's. Boring. I don't know why they they were like, "Who is going to be the human character that hangs out with Sonic?" We need someone who's like misunderstood. And who, being with Sonic, will, like, help him grow as a person. And they're like, what about just, like, this rich kid who's really annoying and has, like, no personality and just, like, has no actual connection to Sonic, but he just, like, sees Sonic in the first episode and he's like, Sonic! And then that's just his entire personality.
1: Right. And, I mean, it's like, who should be the main character of our Sonic the
2: Hedgehog cartoon?
1: Should it be Sonic the Hedgehog? Or should it be this little weird kid, no personality, like, just bland? I don't know. And I don't
2: understand the decision to make him super rich because they try to make you yeah. fe- not in this episode, but they constantly try to make you feel bad for him because they're like, his parents aren't home very often. I'm like, he's also rich. Like... <laughs> Like, I don't feel bad for this kid. Like, just go to, like, hang out with your friends. But he, like, doesn't have any in this show. And I'm just, ugh.
1: It's weird because they're trying to, like, draw these weird parallels later on. Like, like Dr. Eggman creates the sun balls and starts selling them. They're basically like a replacement sun for people who miss the sun, want their, their grass to be healthy and want to not... I don't know, he's basically like creates Thomas McCarthy's The Road <laughs> and then uncreates it by creating the sunballs. But then it's like there's a there's like a supply and demand kind of thing where everybody in the poorer part of the the of the city, they don't really deal with it on a global aspect. But everybody there is like, well, we didn't get our sunballs and we're mad at the rich people. And they're like going to start an angry mob at people on the west side
2: was the, were they explicitly the poorer side? I thought they were all they all looked like their clothes were ripped up because they've been living in the dark or something. I assumed it was literally like West Side like they were literally like you guys started on this side of the city instead of the other side of the city.
1: Yeah, I guess so. That's if, just so arbitrary <laughs> for them to be like the West Side yeah. and the East Side. There's no difference in in race or economics or anything. We just oh, we just started over yeah, here. Yeah, that's why <laughs>
2: That's why I think it's that way, because that's how the writing in Sonic X always is. It's always like, oh, you started over there instead of over here, but we're angry and we want it over here. Like, I can't see this show making a point about anything, really. No,
1: that's true. Like,
2: I love this show. I love this show because it's very goofy, and I, I unironically loved it as a kid. But like, watching it now as an adult, I'm like, this is hilarious. First things first, it's very funny that... The idea that eclipsing the sun means that it's dark all the time because that's not what a sun eclipse does. Right. Like we have those in the real world and it does not make it nighttime out. <laughs> it doesn't like the moon doesn't go over the sun and suddenly it's like pitch black out. Like that's just not how it works. Right. In real life. Like the entire premise of this of this arc is just ba- is based on you not knowing what an eclipse is or does.
1: Well, and everybody in this show is so fucking dumb. I know. Like, like I was saying earlier, like there's everybody in the world, and nobody except for Sonic figures out. Basically, Sonic goes around destroying all of Eggman's like sun capture shields that he's using to sort of power his sun balls, and. That's just insane because he doesn't talk to anybody about it. Like somehow Eggman has tricked everybody in the world into thinking he's a good guy now, (laughs) even though he blotted out the sun and used it for his own like capitalistic gains. And it's like, well, Sonic is the only person in the world who realizes that the moon would have to be traveling in a very specific way to blot out the sun 24 seven. Like no scientist realizes that in the entire world. (laughs)
2: Sonic basically solved the conflict of a three-episode arc by explaining the concept of an orbit.
1: Right, exactly.
2: Basically a stunned crowd of hundreds who were like, oh yeah, planets do orbit. And like, in the first episode in Defective Detective, I just don't know. Because they established that they know that the thing is in orbit. So it's not like this takes place in in an alternate reality where no one knows how orbits work or whatever.
1: Well, and I think that it's just weird that everybody gives Eggman the benefit of the doubt so quickly. Like, basically, they're willing to, like, elect him president. And, yes, that has a lot to do with the brainwashing of the American people, I guess. But, like, even before all the brainwashing, it seemed like everybody was just very willing to accept everything that he said, even when he just, like, sneaks his way into the Oval Office. Like
2: Before the sunballs are installed, people are demanding them. So, like... Yeah, he does it before he even installs them. People are like loving him. It makes no sense.
1: Right. And turn on Sonic so quickly and so easily when like Sonic never decides to talk to anybody about this. He like at the end is like, well, I assumed all you guys would know he was being evil. And it's like, well, they didn't stupid. And they were like coming after your family with an angry flash mob. Like what? Why does Sonic never talk to anybody? (laughs)
2: Well, this is the funny thing. These episodes are very bad Sonic stories because it's literally just a plot about a solar eclipse making it dark outside and making people sad that it's dark all the time, which is not a Sonic story. And Sonic saves the day by reminding everyone basic astronomy. But there is a line in here that I think is actually like, actually explains Sonic's personality and character really well is when Amy is like, he does things that are wild sometimes and he does things that are stupid sometimes, but he never does things that aren't truthful or she says something like that. And I'm just like, that, that, that actually does explain his character really well because even in the games, he makes like stupid mistakes sometimes. He's always just true to himself. He's kind of an idiot, but...
1: Well, and the way that Amy talks about him is sort of as like a grand deity. (laughs) It's like, well, Sonic works in mysterious ways, but if you keep your faith in him and tithe your 10%, then you know he'll always come through. And it's like, well, (laughs) what are you talking about, Amy? Like, he's not talked to any of us or consulted us on what he's about to do, so I don't know if we should really be trusting him right now.
2: Amy just has to believe that Sonic is good or else her crush on him for the last, like, 18 years was for not she is like the the sunk cost fallacy but for sonic knowing what he's doing (laughs) she's like sonic can't be wrong because if he was that would make me wrong by extension
1: well no yeah it seems like like sonic has some kind of psychological hold over all of his friends where they trust him infinitely (laughs) without really understanding why or and it seems like chris is the only one that's really immune to it like he's ready to turn on sonic in an instant and everybody kind of talks him out of it
2: Yeah, Sonic in this show is really... There's definitely an appeal to him as a character where he's very confident and kind. Like, he's a jerk to Eggman and to Knuckles sometimes. But he's definitely... He's got this, like, confident older brother or, like, confident upperclassman. But in this show, Sonic is always just kind of, like, just laying around or... There's definitely moments where he his character shines through, but I feel like this is one of the, one of like the meaner Sonic depictions, I feel like overall, from what I'm remembering, he might be nice too. He's, he, I mean, he's Sonic, he's nice, but like, I feel like out of all the Sonics, he's one of the more like anti-social, distant depictions I've seen in the games and shows.
1: Yeah, it's a little weird that they try and paint him as like an, an every man like a loner that's supposed to be like really cool and like off on his own. Like, I feel like a big, personality flaw for Sonic is that he thinks that he's cool and constantly talks about how cool he is. And you're like, well, you talking about how cool you are makes you really uncool Sonic, <laughs> especially since like he's written by, you know, a bunch of white dudes in their fifties trying to make what they think is cool.
2: So here is the difference between a good Sonic adaptation and a bad Sonic adaptation in a bad Sonic Sonic thinks he's cool. In a good one, Sonic knows he's cool. When it's the, the first one, Sonic is saying, like, baldy McNose hair. Sonic is cool. It's just you don't need to be make him say, hey, guys, remember how cool I am? Just make him be cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just think that the Sonic adaption that I'd really like to see is the one where he runs around with the leather jacket and a cigarette in his mouth and tells Eggman to fuck off. Like, I know that's probably not... Um, Strictly valid to the source material, but that's what I'd like to see.
2: I'm going to show you a picture real quick of an official Sonic the Hedgehog character. Oh,
1: sure thing. I really hope this isn't like pregnant Sonic being a Christian or something like that. No. Oh, okay. So who is this that I'm looking at right now?
2: That is Scourge the Hedgehog okay. from the Archie comic, which has since been discontinued. So he's no longer canon. Okay. But he started out as anti-Sonic.
1: So is is he like enemy becomes friend kind of deal or is he always sort of evil? Because he looks like he's got a lot of attitude here.
2: He's the evil version of Sonic. Uh, I don't know if he eventually becomes nice. I don't think so. I have to assume he stays.
1: I think that generally I was just a little bit confused about the character interactions in this episode anyway. And that may be my my fault for jumping in at episode 38. But like, I didn't really get that Sonic and Knuckles even knew each other. And then suddenly he called him the Knuckster and I'm like, oh, they're best friends. They are brothers. Like, (laughs) are they adversarial in this show usually or do they hang out a lot?
2: They're they're rivals. They are rivals, but also friends. Um, The show was kind of the end of that uh, depiction of Knuckles. I really like that in this show, actually, that he's never hanging out with everyone else. He's always just like off on his own standing on a rooftop just looking at a city or something right
1: or being flirted with by rouge the bat and somehow being like oh no oh stop saying that oh like that's a very anime thing
2: those are both very uh close to the games i would say but in recent games he's just kind of been like another one of sonic's friends where he's like hey sonic uh we going to the potluck dinner tomorrow like <laughs> oh, sure but yeah, they, they started as rivals that aren't friendly at all. But then over time, they became more friendly rivals. Right. So this is kind of their friendly rivals time period of Sonic. So yeah, I actually really like that they fight over the Sonic destroying the Sun Towers. I I thought that was actually cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, for for sure there were some moments in this that I was like, oh, okay, this rocks. Like <laughs> when they fly up to the moon and a Knuckles punches it out of orbit, that was pretty badass, I guess. <laughs>
2: Or when the butler is like, "I can fly the the shuttle," and everyone's like, "Sure,
1: yeah." But there's just some really strange choices here. Like after they reveal that Eggman has been brainwashing people, blocked out the sun, basically caused an apocalypse, used it for his own personal gain, tried to become president, like all of these horrible things, everybody's like, "All right, Eggman, why don't you run away?" And then they do like a trivia yeah question to see if he gets to go to jail for life.
2: The trivia thing is so confusing because it comes completely, it like, it is not, this was not a trivia-based arc in any way, it is just, it, it is so random, like, at the end of these three episodes about light versus darkness and the sun, and, like, they're like, alright, let's end with trivia.
1: Yeah, and I guess that just whenever something happened I didn't really understand in the show, I just assumed that it was a reference to the games, but it sounds like... The trivia thing was not that, that that was just like a
2: weird curveball out of left field for no reason. Or
1: maybe it's a re- like a recurring gag in the
2: show. Maybe. I don't remember it. I remember it happening once, which might be this episode, but maybe it happens a lot.
1: Okay. If this turned out to be the plot of the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, <laughs> how would you feel about that? Oh, I'd love it. <laughs> okay, great. I'm not worried because, again, I have no affinity for Sonic, really. But I'm worried for the people that do love him. And I hope that it turns out. Don't okay. worry.
2: We're not excited. Don't worry. No, I didn't. Think I mean, so. some are. I shouldn't. I didn't. I, I shouldn't speak for everyone because every time I talk about how it's like really bad, I get, always get replies that are like, like, hey, I'm excited. Don't. Don't dismiss it just because you don't like it. I'm like, yeah, fine. Yeah. I mean, I think it looks bad.
1: It's just such a strange situation with like the whole redesign thing. And it's like we still haven't seen this character that comes out in a movie in three months or whatever. Like doesn't come out in like January.
2: Comes out in February. It's very strange. It's very strange. Um, The movie is a really weird situation overall because I feel like it's not catering to kids at all. But it's a kid's movie. Right. It feels like it's aimed at people that were, like, eight years old in 1991. That feels like the target demographic. Because well, I mean,
1: and and that kind of thing can be okay sometimes. Like, the Scooby-Doo movies from the early 2000s were very, like, catered to an older audience to watch the show growing up. And that worked out. I think in hindsight, people really like those
2: movies. But I think you could... You can watch those and you're not just like, what? What is going on? Because I feel like kids might feel that way with this movie, because Eggman isn't called Eggman. There's no Tails or Knuckles or Amy or Shadow. It's just Sonic and Eggman. Eggman being called Robotnik and only Sonic and Eggman being in the movie makes me feel like they're aiming this at people that have nostalgia for early 90s Jim Carrey movies and early 90s Sonic games. And it's like, Sonic continued to exist past then. Like, there are 10-year-olds now who like Sonic who, like, who know Eggman as Eggman and like know the extended cast of characters. Like this is, this is who you should be making this movie for, but you're just not. And I just don't understand why.
1: Right. And also that they would bring on the director of Deadpool to do it. And like, I don't think that the demographic they're going for is going to like this movie very much, but I guess it's just weird in general that they keep on making video game movies when they're never good.
2: Detective Pikachu was, All right. It was average, I would say.
1: Yeah. I saw it twice in theaters, and then afterwards I was like, did I see that? Yeah, I guess so. Like, (laughs) it was really, really, just for me, like, subpar. It wasn't really that great of an experience.
2: I agree. I think it was subpar. I think I like it less than anyone else I know. I feel like people have accused me of being a hater on it. Sure. My problem is, is it's not a very good Pokemon movie, and it's not a very good mystery movie. Which were the two things I was excited for. Yeah,
1: the characters aren't really compelling. And for some reason, the villain wants to turn like he, he's like, maybe everybody in the world wants to be Pokemon. I'm not really going to ask them if that's what they want. I'm just going to do it and see how they feel. And it's like, well, nobody wants that stupid.
2: That's my biggest problem. Is the villain's plot making zero sense at all yeah. to the mystery being like not a mystery, really. Like, it's not compelling. It's not an actual detective story. It's an adventure story. Right. And then the Pokemon thing. I mean, there's good Pokemon in it.
1: Yeah, the Pokemon all look really cool. I, I think they pulled off Ditto in a really compelling way.
2: I like the way they look, but the, the asset, like, reuse, I don't have a problem with them not having a billion Pokemon in it. I feel like they just, they did it in a way where you notice that it's only the same couple just because... I don't know. I feel like there's like too many shots with Pokemon in it that are just like establishing shots or something. So at some point I'm just like, OK, I've seen that pink guy like five times now. Right. I've seen that guy four times. Like,
1: Well, I mean, and it's it's probably the same kind of thing they're doing with the Sonic movie, which is like, well, we'll wait until the sequels to bring in Amy and Knuckles and everybody Everybody wants to see and it's, like, probably the same thing with the Pokemon movie. Like, we'll wait until the sequels to go to a new region, you know, and bring in, like, all the Pokemon from, like, gold and silver. And it's like, well, why don't you just, like, show us the thing that you want us to see right away and then come up with a new thing you think we want to see later, you know?
2: I don't even think the solution for the existing movie would be just add more Pokemon. I honestly think just, like, I think just a couple establishing shots with less Pokemon in it would be fine. Right. I feel like you just see an APOM... That many times, and you're like, all right, I get it. There's there's apoms in the city, right? But that's a nitpick. I've been talking about that too much. That's that's not a big issue for me. It was just one of those things where I was like, it kind of took me out of it. But also, I'm a 3D animator, so I was thinking about how many models they had to make and how you probably can't make that much on that sort of budget, and then you'd have to reuse them. So I was kind of thinking about it the whole time of being like, oh, so they they they're reusing this there and that there. Like I was like, oh, it's interesting. Right, sure. I think about that more than most people do. Like, I I complained about a compositing in one scene to a friend, and they were like, what is compositing? And I was like, never mind.
1: Yeah, sure. Sonic X, um, rating out of 10. 10. 10 out of 10?
2: Yeah, yeah, 100%. 10 out of 10. Who's perfect. I really want to see a Sonic game have this story, maybe like a 60-hour RPG. Yeah. About... Uh, The sunshine balls. I didn't absolutely love this.
1: I don't think I'll be watching another episode of Sonic X in the near future. Um, The characters were really obnoxious and a lot of it didn't make any sense. But still, uh, you're right. It's a 10 out of 10. (laughs) I think that's an accurate score.
2: I kind of I'm glad I picked this arc because I don't remember it existing at all. It was really weird and made no sense the next episode started auto playing for me and it's what i remember being the best arc in the show so i kind of wish i picked that because it i feel like it's unironically pretty cool because it's based on sonic battle the sonic uh fighting game for the game boy Mm -hmm. and they basically just made it their tournament arc basically
1: right yeah i mean i i think that we probably made the right choice with the Dr. Eggman blots out the sun arc though, because this was pretty wild. <laughs> like if somebody was going to watch this show, I would say go for that.
2: Who is your favorite character?
1: I think that just from my my interactions with these characters before, I think it's always been Knuckles. Just because like he's he's kind of cool <laughs> when he punches the moon into orbit again, that's pretty neat. Yeah, it's gotta be Knuckles. I mean, nobody else really grabbed me in that way, you know.
2: Who who was your least favorite or most confusing character? uh
1: i don't know chris <laughs> olive thank you so much for joining me on the show today uh where can people find you online social media where can they find ray the dough all that good stuff
2: you can find me on twitter at olive brinker on instagram at ray the Doe. patreon is patreon.com slash ray the dough my comic is ray my upcoming podcast is called time code with olive and Pan. And
1: uh, I'm on Twitter at StopTweetingMia, and as always, I'm your host, Mia Marchant, and I'm here if you need to talk.
0: SFPD! Uh, meow? Ah!